Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. Welcome to TV Gold, Media Week's weekly television podcast with me, James Manning and Andrew Mercado. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, James. I love the name change. Yeah, look, we've got a name change. You haven't downloaded the wrong episode or tuned into the wrong podcast. Bit of a rebrand. We're going to call ourselves TV Gold. Um, so we've freed up the Media Week feed for other exciting uh, adventures. And TV Gold will now really specially, once a week, we'll examine, well, if you like, we're digging for gold, aren't we, in the TV landscape, wherever we might find it. Yes, sometimes we find cubic zirconia, but yes, our our aim every week is to look for actual gold. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, and look, we found we find quite a bit, don't we? I mean, this year has arguably been a little slower start than 2022, but in our last episode of 2022, I think we had close to 70 programs that that made our list that we wanted to give at least a mention. Yeah, massive. They were sort of worthy. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's so much drama now. And I like it now that we've made this podcast less about what's happening on TV and really concentrating on drama because that's what I love the most. Uh, I know that you're a big fan of drama. And, you know, what more can we say about Married at First Sight and Australian <laughs> Idol? You know, it's much more, you know, interesting for me to be talking about all these incredible dramas, comedies, and musicals that are popping up on all of the streaming services. Yeah, look, scripted uh, will certainly be our focus, but I've just got to say I'm going to squeeze in a little reality show right at the end today, go sort of a little bit off topic. But before we get there, we're going to talk about Love Me. We're going to be talking uh, season two, Well Mania, new show from Benjamin Law on Netflix, a couple on Apple TV+, Plus, um, Big Door Prize, and... Um, what was the other Apple TV Plus one? Oh, Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon. Which you're a big fan of, I think. And I'm having a quick look at The Night Agent, which is on Netflix. Look, let's start with Love Me. And I've got to say, look, I was a very late adoptee. I didn't get around to watching it, but boy, am I on board now. Well, you know, Love Me kind of confused us both because uh, Foxtel released it. They might have released season one on Christmas Day or Boxing Day. And, of course, if you release something like that when we're all kind of off on our summer break, uh, you kind of watch it and forget about it. And I watched the first series and absolutely loved it. I thought it was such a class act. And then when I went to do the end-of-year list last year, I forgot it because it hadn't been on my radar because, you know, it was you know, kind of officially the year before, but, but when you shut down for the year at the end of November, you forget about shows that come out in December. So season one was great and it was a really smart decision of Foxtel to commission a second series, which is about to premiere on Foxtel and Binge. Yeah, look, we're going to be talking about the, the first ep of season two at least. The um, And just as a quick refresh, it's on um, Foxtel and Binge, um, six episodes in season one. I think there's six more in season two. Look, at, at, at I like the narrow focus of this series. It, yeah. The title says it all, Love Me. It just looks at um, relationships pretty much all in the one family. There's three couples it examines. And I, I, that really attracts me. It just it 
it's it's not a broad series and i i like the the narrow focus the um and it really drills down into those relationships in a way you you don't often see perhaps in a in a tv series look it's it's a family glenn and christine and the kids clara and aaron look in that very first episode christine's very ill and yeah. glenn, glenn's her carer um Hugo Weaving and Sarah, I think Sarah Pierce, Sarah Peace, uh, are the parents. And is it uh, Bojana Novakovic? Uh, what is it? Bojana Novakovic. Yeah, well, how good is she? Oh, um, she really steals the series for me. I mean, Hugo Weaving's brilliant, of course, but um, she really steals this, the, um, the show. It's uh, her and William Loder are the children. And it's um it's all about their relationships across. Look, the the wife is very sick, and you know, no plot spoilers if you haven't seen it. Um, that develops in that first series, but you, 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 she keeps coming back. Uh, you keep keep seeing quite a lot of her, even though she was very ill in that first episode. Um, that the series chronicles the sort of ups and downs of the relationships, and the. That last episode, it's hard to say too much about it of that first season with, without maybe plot spoilers for people who haven't dipped in yet. But um, Series 2 starts off sort of, it's it hasn't progressed a lot from Series 1, but in other ways it has. Well, I guess if Series 1 kind of finished with what seemed like a happy ending for three couples in this show. In series two, we have to kind of nut more into those relationships and we need conflict and we need drama to actually make a second series about something. So, yeah, some of those relationships are kind of struggling a little bit because of things that are going on. And I think what's great about Love Me is the fact that we rarely see on TV a relationship between people who are in their late 50s, early 60s. And we get that now with Hugo Weaving's character and his new love interest as played by Heather Mitchell. I mean, it's so refreshing to see someone of that age group in uh, having, you know, kind of sexy love scenes. Um, <laughs> but I also think, you know, when you've got Hugo Weaving and Heather Mitchell together, my God, what, what a combination. Yeah, I think uh, she won a Logie, didn't she, for Best Supporting a Actor for um, her role in that, I'm pretty sure, last year. Uh, someone else who I really like is Bob Marley. Is it Bob? Yeah, Bob Morley. Bob, Bob Morley. All right, Used to be Robert Morley, uh, was in Neighbours and uh, has made a lot of uh, series over in the US and I love it that he's back for this because uh, he's such, uh, such a good-looking guy and, and so perfect to play the younger lover of uh, Bojana Novakovic's character, Clara. Yeah, and a, and a, a sort of a, a fresher theme, if you like, in the second season, or something's explored a bit more, is is two women trying to start a family. Yeah. Um, well, well, having children is probably a more accurate way of putting it, two women having children. Um, and a nice cameo, I think, from Frank Woodley as a doctor in... Um, yeah. In that first or second episode, I think I've watched the first two of the new season. But look, it's really good, and I'm I'm certainly rusted on. 
And you know, this second series reminds me a little bit of Love My Way. Certainly not the characters because uh, Love Me is about, uh, I guess, much more upper middle class. Uh, Love My Way, I guess, in comparison was a bit more working class. Um, But the story's about dealing with children from prior relationships and the issues that causes um there, there was just a vibe i went oh yeah this is a bit a bit love my way but um both foxtel series and both outstanding in their own way but love me has definitely carved its own place in this genre and look with uh, as part of our rebranding we're going to introduce a few new things like we won't um promise too much straight away we'll wait till we actually deliver but before we go making rash promises but we want to hear from people that listen to the podcast we've got a a good core audience and we appreciate them um listening and downloading and listening every week so you can now engage with us we want to hear from you whether you think we're right whether you think we're wrong or you have some interesting comments particularly maybe about love me you can get us send us an email to comments at tvgold.au that's comments at tvgold.au Look, another show with a, um, a very Australian feel to it, even though it starts briefly in New York and a lot of it is sort of um, to do with one of the characters engaging back to New York is Well Mania. And thank God it actually starts in New York, James, and looks like it was actually filmed in New York. There's there's kind of nothing I hate more at the moment than Australian series that ambitiously set their stories all around the world, but then film it all on the northern beaches of Sydney, you know, and it's like, guys, you're not fooling anybody. But yeah, Well Mania starts with the lead character as played by Celeste Barber, living it up in New York City. And then racing home to Australia for a birthday party of her best friend and things start going horribly wrong for her. Yeah, look, um, Celeste Barber, um, this is her first real break in television. Is that right? I think she's had some stand-up specials and yeah. things like that. I'm not sure she's done a lot of dramatic work before, and but the series really rests on her. Um, she plays a character, Liz Healy, who's like a food writer, a food critic. Yep, yep. In, in New York. She was a journalist in Australia, not terribly successful, we sort of find out in that first episode, and, and she moved overseas and has really hit the big time over there. She's negotiating for a new role in a TV show. But I've got to say, her, her, and I don't know if this impacts on the series, but her character's really, there's not much to like about her for me. <laughs> no, there's not. And you know what? I think that Celeste Barber might be a bit divisive in this role. You know, I think, you know, there are some comedians that people love and then other people go, I don't get what's funny about this. And Celeste Barber might fall into this category. I mean, she is a very sort of slovenly food writer, shall we say. <laughs> I'm not I'm not quite sure how this Aussie slob rose to the heights <laughs> of New York fame. But nevertheless, it's very funny. And, you know, it gives her an opportunity to do physical comedy. And I, I do find, you know, although I find the fact that she rose to New York a bit of a stretch, I do find the way she behaves quite recognisable. Uh, and I love it that uh, she comes back to Australia and is surrounded by her family because the incredible Genevieve Moy plays her mother. And my God, there is an actress <laughs> that I wish was in every TV show. I mean, when you think about her, 
Remember when she played the publicist on Frontline that would come oh, in yeah, to yeah, fix yeah. A, a drama the, involving Mike Moore? Um, she was so great in that role. And, you know, she's had other roles in the past that haven't quite taken off. But, my God, she is fantastic as the mother on the sidelines in Wellmania. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you say about uh, Liz, the character of Liz Healy. I'm prepared to buy that. As you say, I agree. It's a bit hard to believe, but hey, that doesn't worry me. I'll, I'll buy into that. But do I I like the character? I find myself thinking, yeah, I don't know. But then you think, we again, you don't have to like characters to enjoy the show. I mean, you look at Succession, there's not many redeeming features <laughs> that, that any of that family have, but you're sort of intrigued by it. And I've watched three of the six episodes, uh, I think it's no, it eight episodes. Yep. I've watched the first three, and I'm quite interested to see what happens because she she gets, Liz Healy gets into a bit of a mess. She, I think she, she looked at some property stolen and she's unable to return to the US to finish her big deal. And you sort of, there's a plot line which makes you wonder, oh, I wonder, wonder where this is going to go. So she's playing Liv, not Liz. Oh, Liv. And- you know, <laughs> let's face it, she ends up with some health issues which prevents her from going back to the US, hence the title Wellmania. She has to actually get fitter, get healthier before she can return to the US. And so this, of course, opens up the storylines for all of these ways that all of these new schemes and all of these new things she can do to try and achieve that goal. And I think that's where the comedy is. I've watched the first two episodes. I loved Simone Kessel playing uh, a newspaper boss. Uh, We don't see enough of Simone Kessel in TV shows. Uh, Remy High's in there as her brother's boyfriend. You know, there's there's some really interesting characters in this and also... I'm seeing uh, it's good to see some more Asian representation on the screen, which, of course, comes from co-creator Benjamin Law. You'll actually see him in a little cameo appearance in episode one. He's standing off in the distance, um, similar to the way he would make a cameo appearance in the family law every now and then. (laughs) And I also like to cameo, I think it's Guy Edmonds, who plays a worker at the US Embassy. Yeah. um, who, Who really sort of finds it really hard to deal with um, Liv Healy when she comes in wanting to re- uh, replace a stolen green card. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm looking forward to it. It, it looks funny. Uh, it's it's eight half-hour episodes. It's co-created by Bridget Delaney. Um, it was based on her book. Her book was actually called Wellmania, Misadventures in the Search for Wellness. So clearly there's still a lot of comedy to come here. Uh, and it's great to see. It's great to see. Aussie series on Netflix because Netflix don't do things cheaply or by halves. You can see that they've spent money on this and it's up there on the screen and that's always great to see for any Australian scripted drama or comedy. Um, Yeah, so Wellmania and a couple of final thoughts. It's an interesting take on the whole sort of influencer community, isn't it, where, you know, they're all, you know, put up as being perfect and all that and and here we sort of get get a bit of a look at them and and also in a way it's watching love me in a way it's a love letter to melbourne because there's some amazing aerial shots of melbourne but then when you're watching well mania it's similar a feel about sydney there's some amazing aerial shots of uh sydney throughout the series too 
Yeah, there is something about that Melbourne CBD that photographs and makes the city look very sexy at night, whereas Sydney is better when you do those daytime shots and, you, yeah. of course, you can get the harbour and the, the beaches and, and the water, the bodies of water there. That works a lot better for the Sydney shows. Okay, big door prize, um, 10 episodes on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, the first few, I think, uh, landed this week, then there'll be one a week, it looks like. Uh, residents of a small town in the USA become addicted to a, what is it, a machine that um, predicts their future or their sort of career, the career that they perhaps should have been doing. That This machine turns up in a grocery store. It's a very weird um, setup, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a bit too weird for me. So this little <laughs> corner store that gets this machine where you seem to put in four quarters because it's set in America and you get a card that tells you what you should be doing in life and the people in this town decide to, oh, well, if it tells me that I'm a healer, maybe I'm a healer. Um, look, I wanted to like this show so much because it stars Chris O'Dowd, uh, the actor who's, you know, was in the Sapphires here in Australia 10 years ago and such a likeable guy. But wow, James, I really struggled with these first two episodes. I just, it just wasn't grabbing me. Uh, I thought it was unbelievable. Uh, I didn't believe the characters. I didn't believe the situation they were in. I don't think I'm going back for more. It does seem a bit like filler, doesn't it, in a way? There's no there's no real hook to make you think, oh, I, I want to watch this through to see what happens. Yeah. Because what's going to happen at the end? Maybe they realise that the machine doesn't really predict their career correctly. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, Chris O'Dowd, look, he's good. He plays a school teacher. Uh, he's married to uh, Cass, played by Gabrielle Dennis. And each episode seems to focus mainly on one character. Yes. And, and their life. They The other people interact with them. Yeah. Each, each episode seems to get a character and how the machine and their career choice is impacting on them. And in sort of some, obviously, some less obviously, more more subtly, making decisions based on that little card they get. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is the big leap of faith you need to take with it. I mean, who would go into a corner store, put a dollar in the machine, <laughs> get a card out and go, oh, yeah, I think I'll change everything about my life. Um, you know, it just, I just don't know who would actually do that. I mean, the, the concept to me seems quite ridiculous. Um, to me, it should have been a bit more um, higher end that, you know, maybe you have to put $100 into the machine that this was, you know, I, I don't know what. There's just something about it. I'm just not buying it at all. Yeah, and why would, I mean, if that machine was in your local 7-Eleven or something, I mean, I, you wouldn't even pay any attention. You go, oh, yeah, big deal, some little gimmick. Yeah. Why would yeah, you wait exactly. a or two on that? And, and these people suddenly not only use it, then decide to make life-changing decisions. Yeah, the whole town, come on. Yeah. Okay, look, also on Apple TV+, and I'm predicting um, something that satisfied you a little bit more, is the second season of Schmigadoon. Oh, did it satisfy me, I tell you what. <laughs> um, 
Look, I loved the first series of Schmigadoon. It was six half hours. It was about a couple who uh, get lost when they're out hiking and end up trapped in this Broadway musical. There was a famous uh, Broadway, a famous musical uh, on Broadway, and they made a MGM musical of it called Brigadoon, where the town only uh, appeared every hundred years. And so Schmigadoon sends that up, but it isn't just sending up. Brigadoon, it sends up all of the big Hollywood musicals of the 40s and the 50s. So Oklahoma, Carousel, on and on the list went. And I mean, Schmigadoon was a very sunny, optimistic place. And in series two, we have the two lead characters. They did get out of Schmigadoon at the end of the first series, played by Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily Strong. So this couple go back to their lives Something goes wrong in their lives. I don't want to do a plot spoiler. And it leads them to go back into this wilderness area to see if they can go back to Schmigadoon and fix up their love life. But instead, they end up in Schmicago. And Schmicago is a much darker, much sexier place. It's not a small little town. It's the dirty city. And, of course, here we now get a chance to send up all the musicals of the 70s, and, boy, do they go there. I mean, you've got Chicago, Cabaret, Annie, Sweeney Todd, Jesus Christ Superstar, Hair. So there's a lot of scope here. So it's a very, very different show from before. But what I love about this is it has exactly the same cast. So you have these incredible performers like Alan Cummings, and Jane Krakowski and Kristen Chenoweth turning up in Chicago, sometimes playing uh, characters with the same personality, but sometimes being the complete opposite of who they were in Schmigadoon. And again, these terrific original songs that are written for this musical send-up. My God, I mean, you hear one of these songs and, like, it becomes an earworm in your head. I just love this show so much. And when... I've watched four episodes of it, and when I get to the end, I'll go straight back to the start and watch it again. That's how much I'm loving it. The the colour of the sets and all that, and the, the production is so vibrant, isn't it? It, yeah. it makes you feel good. Just just it, almost if you looked at it with the sound down, you go, wow, how good does this look? And it's so funny too. It's, you know, it's got a serious message there and love and this couple having a relationship, Um, but the situations they get in, and there's all sorts of in-jokes there to series one as well. And if you've watched series one a few times, you'll get some of those Easter eggs in series two. But, you know, these show-stopping performances, I think it's really hard to pick a favourite, but I think I've got to go with Jane Krakowski because she was barely in series one. She kind of played a character that was kind of like the Baroness in The Sound of Music. She kind of whipped in towards the end and disappeared again. But here in Chicago, she gets to play the Richard Gere role in Chicago. So she's the attorney trying to get one of them off a murder charge, and she comes into court in these sexy gowns <laughs> doing these incredible performances, and it's just so hilarious and so sexy and spectacular. I am loving her playing the attorney called Bobby instead of Billy. 
And you like um, you like Keegan Michael Key a lot, don't you? Oh, I love him so much. And of course, in the first series, he didn't want to be in Schmigadoon at all because he hates musicals. <laughs> uh, whereas in this series, that joke isn't really there. He's every time someone starts to sing, you see him roll his eyes and go, "Oh yeah, that's right. I'm in this sort of town. <laughs> Everybody has to, you know, confess their sins via a musical number." It's a very, very, very beautifully made and clever show. He made uh, Friends from College, which uh, I loved a lot. Uh, I loved he was that in, too. He was in Reboot, which you liked a little bit more than me. I, yep. I, I didn't quite get into it, but I, was, I I, take your advice that I've still got to watch the episodes that are the best ones. So Yeah, yeah. Also in this, I think, is Martin Short and Fred Armisen, who yeah. was um, Uncle Fester in Wednesday, which is on Netflix at the moment. And also uh, Ariana DeBose, who won an yeah. Academy Award for West Side Story. She is back. I mean, it's just the most incredible cast. And um, clearly they've they've really kind of mined Broadway stars for this. And, geez, I tell you what, they can do almost anything. If you've been in a Broadway musical, wow, throw anything at them, they can make it work. Okay, look, one show I've um, tuned into this week because I – look, I – I like there's a UK critic called Lucy Mangan who writes for The Guardian and she gave this four stars and I thought, oh, okay, that's pretty good. I'll have a quick look at this. And I, it's a thriller. It's a US thriller, The Night Agent, 10 episodes. They're all up uh, straight away on Netflix. Uh, Gabrielle, I think it's Basso, plays a low-level FBI agent who works in a room in the basement of the White House and he's I mean, he has a bit of paperwork to do, but his real job is to man a telephone that sits as just a plain little room, the desk, and there's a telephone on the desk. And if that phone rings, it's his job to answer it. The phone never rings, right? Uh, there's a bit of background stuff and that we get in that first episode. But guess what? In the first episode, the phone actually rings and the plot unfolds a little bit from that. Um, so it's, it's interesting and it's, look, there's a, there's a lot to like. They've spent a lot of money on this. Okay. That's a big budget, but you know, the storyline for me just doesn't hold together. That's, um, look, good production qualities, but a bit of a nutty storyline. It's just a bit cops and robbers at times. It doesn't know whether it wants to be a few moments. It's sort of a superhero action movie. At other times, it's sort of deep and meaningful um, conversations between the characters, but too many sort of parts of the plot just don't make sense. But um, it's worth looking at. The, the reason um, Lucy Mangan gave it such a good review, or partly, was because the um, showrunner is Sean Ryan, who worked on The Shield. Now, a lot of people think The Shield is one of those great US um, sort of Prime dramas, if you like, it was sort of lost on me. I never really got into The Shield, never really watched it. Um, so, yeah, so that 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 is interesting. Look, have a look out for it, but it is a little bit weird. I went to Sydney last weekend and the night agent had just dropped and several people spoke to me about it. In fact, a couple of people said they'd binged all 10 hours of it. My God. Oh. Um, but, you know, hilariously, uh, a, a few people said to me that they had a little bit of trouble accepting Gabrielle Basso in the lead role because he played the son of Laura Linney in The Big C, which was a show I loved and watched. And they said they found it quite disconcerting 
disconcerting to see someone that they had loved as a little boy now all growing up playing this FBI agent. But look, you know, they watched all 10 hours of it like that, so uh, there must be something about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what I was missing, but there's, yeah, just too many holes in the storyline, you know. Like he he saves a girl from uh, sort of a, a hit, if you like, uh, her uncle and auntie that she's been staying with both turn out to be government agents. Right at the start of the series, they're knocked off. They come after her. He he is the FBI agent. He turns up and takes her under his protective wing. He takes her back to her, his apartment. I'm thinking, well, that's a bit weird. This, this, you know, is he really an FBI? How does she know, you know? And so he goes back there. Then they're just walking down the street, you know, in, in full view of everybody and you know, these blokes have actually tracked them and followed them. You're thinking, well, come on, surely they would have taken him to some FBI safe house or something. So there's there's just lots of things. You keep asking yourself questions about it. But there's, interestingly, the co-star, I think it's uh, Lucianne Buchanan, she turns up in a couple of episodes of Under the Vine. Oh, yeah. As um, say, a character called Chef Duke, which oh, I have. Wow seeing it presumably a chef that might come to work at the vineyard if they open a restaurant. I'm not sure. But well, um, I guess she's a New Zealand actress then. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, good yeah. to see her in a Hollywood uh, production. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Look, that just uh, brings us about to the end of this week, something that I, I teased at the start of. I've veered off from drama to watch a bit of reality this week, and it's the uh, Alone Australia, the ITV production of the sort of famous global format uh they've made for sbs 10 people go are put into the wilderness they're all in separate places so they can't they can't interact with anybody else they have some camera gear and there's no production people with them they the only vision we get to see of what happens to them is stuff they shoot themselves so they have a camera on tripod outside where they've decided to set up camp and they're allowed to take 10 things from the outside world to help them um, survive and they're not allowed any food so they have to source their own food most people seem to take a, a, a tarpaulin which they use for for shelter maybe they take an axe a knife yeah. uh, a backpack to put their gear in a flint so they can start a fire so 10 basic things if you like a pot to put, you know, boil water in or to cook. Um, so I've just, I've always been a bit fascinated by this series. It's it's sort of reality at its most basic, you know, there's just no intrusions from producers. It's completely unscripted. Um, apart from when things go wrong, um, the medical people will come in if they're called on. Um, and then the they have they have a mobile phone, a satellite phone, and all they can use that for is what they call tapping out. They can ring and say, look, I'm giving up. I, yeah, I just, right. I can't go on. Yeah. So that's And it's look. it looks really good. I've seen the first two episodes. I won't give anything away. Um, but if there are sort of reality formats that you're intrigued by, that maybe give this one a go if you haven't seen it. The international ones, the American ones, always filmed up, seems to be either very north of Canada or in Alaska, in the in the wilderness there. But this, there. And where the is it here? Tasmania, right? Yeah, yeah, the west coast of Tassie, and it just oh. looked absolutely fantastic. They've done a a great job at photographing it. Um, so I'll I'll give a little update on that as we go on. Okay. Um, 
over the next couple of weeks, see if I stick with it. But I think I will. Um, in my column this week, I'll write some more about Schmigadoon. I'll also talk about the other musical that's coming to TV next week. It's Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies, a TV sequel to the movie. So uh, if you can't wait for next week for me to talk about that, because, James, I want you to uh, – Try and watch one of the episodes. Okay. Uh, we'll have a chat about it next week. Um, but, James, what is your show of the week? Look, I'm going to go with Love Me Season 2. Look, it's, I, I think it's always good to pick Season 1 of something, but because I overlooked Season 1, I'm definitely going to go with Love Me. Um, look, I only finished it this year, the whole thing, and I'm I'm back in big time on Season 2. It's really hard for me to pick a show of the week uh, because I loved Wellmania, but I can't go past Schmigadoon. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, the, the you know, I know it'll upset my friend Benjamin Law, but you know <laughs> what it's like with a Broadway musical. You know, those songs get in my head. I just can't go past it. Okay, that's great. Look, you've been listening to the first of the new TV Gold uh, episodes. Remember, look, get in touch with us. Comments at tvgold.au. That's our email. Comments at tvgold.au. Look, we'd love to hear from you. We talked about succession last week, so I'd like to hear from people what they're thinking about succession. I've heard some commentary this week that it's it's lost the plot a little wow. bit. People are off the pace fractionally from, I don't know whether because, you know, it's people think, oh, it's the last season, you know, mm, am I going to, you know, Am I falling out of love with it? Um, I'd also like to hear about the other thing. Binge is taking ads on its basic platform, which I think they're turned on at the end of this week. Right. I would love to hear people, their thoughts about ads on streaming platforms. For me, it's a bit of an, a no-go. I think, look, if I'm paying for my content on a streamer, I don't really want to have ads. I get it with Binge, though. Would I make an exception? Because, look, it's... The basic is only $10, and you're basically getting a Foxtel subscription for 10 bucks. Yeah. Without sport, okay, I get that, and without a couple of other things. But there's an amazing – I think it's amazing value, and they've also sweetened the deal with putting it on HD. So you're getting all that content for HD for 10 – did I say a week? It's 10 bucks a month. 10 bucks a month, yeah. Yeah, which I think is pretty hard to beat. Yeah. And they're promising a low ad load, so there won't be too many interruptions. But I'd I'd love to get some feedback from people who listen to this, their thoughts on that. Yeah, and as long as the ads are at the start of the show, um, I, I don't have a problem waiting uh, waiting for something to start with a few ads. I really don't. But I'd get very upset if uh, an ad appeared in the middle of it. Yeah, great. All right, Andrew, look, great to um, talk to you again. I think you're moving house in the next couple of days. Oh. Good luck with that, mate. It's <laughs> that's an awful thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm actually sad this podcast is at an end because now I actually have to start packing a job <laughs> I have been putting off for several days now. Okay, all right, we'll, we'll be back in seven days. Thanks, James. Have a great week. <laughs>